before I was an Avenger. I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. Hello and welcome to this edition of Film Seizure at the Movies. I am Jeff Arbuckle, co-host of the weekly Film Seizure podcast. Before I get started here, I just want to make sure that everyone is aware that this is going to be a non-spoiler review of Black Widow. So don't worry about me giving away any top secret info on the movie. Um, but with that said, let's get started. Uh, well, Marvel is finally back. And uh, that's been part of the promotional angle for Black Widow, which uh, was supposed to originally come out last May, but then got moved at least twice before finally getting uh, this year's release. Um, and it's a big deal that Marvel has returned because since the release of Iron Man way back in, uh, what, 2008? No film franchise or studio has seemed to be as successful at simply being consistently entertaining as Marvel. Maybe the Disney and Pixar animated features, but uh, that's a slightly different story and a slightly different audience for those. Um, but no, what Marvel has done has somehow uh, taken this kind of dense and almost religiously appreciated original text. And then... Uh, kind of managed to not only remain true to what the fans of the comic books would expect, but also make it uh, really accessible to fans who have no starting reference. And that's an incredibly hard balance to try to strike. I mean, within fandom, it's not easy to bring in any new fans and have them appreciate the character franchise or whatever that you have such an appreciation uh, for without it... Um, sometimes having to change or update that story character etc i mean just look at how star wars is almost kind of sliced up into three warring factions of the older fans of the original trilogy the next generation of fans who like the prequel trilogy and all the hubbub over the sequel trilogy that's uh, that's happened but uh, there are several franchises out there like Star Wars and Marvel that are able to rake in serious box office cash. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, one of my film seizure co-hosts, Jason Oliver, uh, he and I watched and reviewed the ninth Fast and the Furious movie. And that's a series that continues to make huge loads of cash. Um, F9 has already made huge money. And whenever the 10th movie comes out, it will likely do it again. Uh, but any Star Wars movie that comes out, uh, it will already have a built-in fan base. Um, the same is often true for a lot of these serial franchises. Um, it used to always be said that, you know, like the Star Trek movies were always made for a built-in audience because they, uh, Paramount, would know exactly how much money they could expect a Star Trek movie to make because, well... There was a there was a built-in audience, and, and a lot of those people will probably go and see the movie, um, well, probably more than once. So, but Marvel, well, they seem to have kind of cracked a whole different code that their uh, distinguished competition really kind of hasn't. Um, not only have they figured out a formula that, you know, love it or hate it, or frustrated by it, or you've grown out of it, or whatever, it does reach a fairly wide audience. Um, they have that formula woven into all of these disparate movies in their stable. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is almost like a, a macro genre unto itself. Um, then under that, you have all of these different movies with different types of genres. 
Uh, you have the general straight action movies like Iron Man or the Avengers. Uh, you have fantasy with Thor and Doctor Strange. You have space operas like the Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel. And you have a slightly smaller scale set of movies like the Spider-Man films or the Ant-Man films. And I'll come back to the small scale stuff here in just a moment. Uh, but then you look at the trilogy of movies that I have a very deep appreciation for. And that's the Captain America movies. This exemplifies for me what Marvel has been able to do uh, with their movies because each of those three movies are completely different in style when it comes to the action movies that they are. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger is a war movie, but also deals with Steve Rogers as what and who he is and what he stands for, what he means to others and so forth. Then its sequel, Captain America, the Winter Soldier is a kind of political and espionage thriller with Cap now having to stand up for what he believes in the face of what he symbolizes being kind of tainted and corrupted. Plus, he has a personal element that Again, I'll be kind of getting back around to here in just a moment. But finally, Captain America Civil War is a larger action movie and kind of deals with his relationship and his impact on his team, the Avengers. Uh, the point that I'm trying to make is, is that Marvel is a superhero factory, but the movies they make aren't simply superhero movies. They fall into other genres. And on top of that, they know how to best weave their characters into those different genres that fit those characters. They know when Captain America needs to be haunted by his past while also dealing with the fallout of the institution he stands for, possibly having a corrupted core that needs to be cut out of it in order to be the thing that he believes in again. They know that Spider-Man could remain close to his neighborhood and that he's a younger character and might make mistakes and needs to learn how to be as great of a hero as he can be. And Ant-Man doesn't have to be this huge scale tentpole film that guides whatever current phase the Marvel franchise is in. It can be a tad more personal and a story around characters and less about those characters need to do uh, you know, whatever they need to do to, to win that movie. So in this huge preface, I just went through, I wanted to explain why Marvel studios has been expert in how they deal with their characters, their stories, and their various genres that they utilize to tell their stories with their characters. Black widow is a little bit more along the lines of captain America, the winter soldier with a touch of the Spider-Man and Ant-Man, you know, kind of small scale personal stuff. In fact, I would say the Black Widow is probably best looked at as kind of a spiritual sequel to both uh, the Winter Soldier and Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, because in those two movies, we are told things about Scarlett Johansson's Natasha Romanoff that becomes fairly important to who she is, the trouble she's had to overcome, and how she is not exactly the hero she seems to be on the surface. Um, so Black Widow really kind of delves into that by starting in 1995 when she was a teenager with a peculiar family in the United States before she is sent through uh, the Russian Red Room program to become uh, a widow, as they call them, an assassin that is used by the Russian intelligence uh, bureaus as well as for apparently for sale to other governments to kill political adversaries or what have you. 
Uh, this opening scene is where we are introduced to our four core and key characters of this movie. Natasha Romanoff, of course, that's Scarlett Johansson. Um, Yelena Belova, who is played as an adult by uh, Florence Pugh of uh, Midsummer, And um, was she in, what was she nominated for? It was uh, Little Women that she was nominated for an Oscar for. Um, then you have uh, David Harbour's Alexi. And then you have uh, Rachel Wise as Melina. Um, now, from as the you know, then as the credits begin from that, there are some kind of tough imagery to kind of bring home the point that the Red Room inflicted uh, some very strange and, and terrible psychological and physical abuse to bring the widows to heal. Now, it's not. Um, it's not explicitly shown, but it is heavily implied that these girls kind of go through um, this this process uh, to become widows and and how they're kind of um, treated is very, very strange. And, and it's it's not exactly I mean, it is very tough imagery, but at the same time, it really drives home that point of what they are. Um, and then after those credits, we get into our primary story, which uh, does take place pretty much immediately after the events of Captain America Civil War, as Natasha is on the run from Thunderbolt Ross, who is played again by William Hurt. After she um, there is a scene at the at the German airport where the two factions of Avengers are fighting each other and um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier are escaping and uh black widow helps them escape by basically stunning black panther um so he he does make reference that she assaulted the uh the king of wakanda in this so uh she is on the run from uh from thunderbolt ross as uh, she is now kind of in in violation of um the the sokovia treaty uh, that that is meant to uh, register superheroes for uh, for action so they don't cause any more problems like that had basically happened in Age of Ultron and Civil War. Um, so it it does kind of uh, not only picks up from there, um, but she it also kind of uh, ties into some of the stuff that, that is mentioned and talked about in some of those past Captain America movies that she was a part of. Um, at this point, she pretty much plans to live in utter seclusion in Norway, uh, but she is brought back into uh, the widow and red room stuff when she receives an interesting package from Yelena. And that's as far as I'll go into talking about the actual specific plot, because while there aren't huge revelations in this movie that are necessarily spoilers, things happen in the plot that uh, has a twisty turny element that is uh, fun to have unfold without you really knowing what's going on. Um, but again, um, it does pick up directly from Civil War, mentions things from Captain America Winter Soldier in regards to Hydra and stuff going on secretly behind the scenes at S.H.I.E.L.D. throughout the years as uh, Hydra was uh, basically taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. And yes, they do mention those things. As I said, this is really spiritually in line much more with Winter Soldier and the quiet uh, and heartbreaking scene between Johansson and Mark Ruffalo in Age of Ultron, where she kind of explains some of the torment that she went through becoming the Black Widow. Um, it keeps that tone, but picks up from that and uses it as the backbone of what this 
foursome of characters that we meet have to kind of deal with in being tools of a pretty shady and villainous organization. Um, and it also manages to balance the big time action that is expected in Marvel movies uh, while keeping this relatively low key, uh, like the Spider-Man and Ant-Man movies. Um, this is the beginning of what's called phase four of the Marvel cinematic universe, but we'll see exactly how some of what we see here kind of plays out in the rest of the movies coming out in this phase. If it doesn't directly connect the same way as the other movies in past phases do, I'm really kind of fine with that. This is a good enough movie and story to uh, really kind of stand on its own. But this does kind of bring up the question, is this movie a little too late? And the unavoidable answer to this is that kind of, yes, it is being set in the past, um, but not in the way that like Captain Marvel was makes this a peculiar entry. However, when you, when would you release this movie otherwise? Do you release it after Iron Man 2 when she was introduced? No, because, you know, she still needs to flesh out some of the things with her character and a whole movie of her own to do it might not be quite as satisfying or might tell a completely different story. Uh, obviously, it would make sense for this to come out after Civil War since it picks up right from there. But I'm not sure that that's a perfect place for this exact story. So I offer that while, yes, it seems like it's a little too late for this movie to, to come out considering it takes place in the past in the, in the kind of pantheon of Marvel movies. Um, having it come after Endgame where we see the sacrifice that she makes, well, it kind of does two things. First, it makes her a person who is willing to sacrifice herself in order to balance the ledger of hers that she has always struggled with. The amount of blood on her hands is quite high, so her sacrifice is a character moment that is now looked back on in retrospect with a different lens. Um, it also just reveals that this hero that found a family with the Avengers is ultimately a tragic character. Um, so those are the kind of the two things why I would say it's like, yeah, I can understand why people might say this comes out at an awkward time. It comes out a little bit too late, but at the same time, I, I kind of disagree with that to a certain extent. I agree on one level and I disagree on another. Um, I think that this kind of helps complete her story. And there are going to be people, I can already see it, that will kind of poo-poo this movie because it's, oh, well, it's, it's, it's closing out her arc, but it, it doesn't do it on this grand scale. Her, her, the grand scale was an end game. Now we get a little bit more and maybe that helps kind of fill in some gaps on how we should feel about her conclusion in end game a little bit differently. But. Let's talk about the things in this movie that I really like. First, Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh scenes are just wonderful. Um, they really kind of have the sisterly bond that is tainted in the movie, but then becomes almost like a friendly rivalry as they, you know, become quite skilled widows, but from different so-called generations of that project. Uh, Pugh basically steals every scene that she's in, and she's kind of the outsider coming into this franchise. And, uh, on top of that, she has a little bit of a chip on her shoulder and isn't really kind of directly impressed with the whole superhero thing. Uh, it helps create a lot of sarcastic humor that you kind of chuckle at because what she's saying is kind of from the outsider perspective that has this metaphysical quality to it. 
Um, it kind of takes the piss out of Black Widow's many achievements as an Avenger and the superhero that people kind of look up to. And it's fun. It's, 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 while it is kind of taking a piss out of that, uh, taking the piss out of that, it is, it's kind of done in a, like I said, a very sisterly sort of way. And it's very, um, it's a very pleasant uh, interaction between those two. And, and every scene that they are in together, you're just kind of hyper-focused on them. And I think that's really, really good. On the other side of this, you also have David Harbour, who plays this loud, obnoxious idiot character that is essentially Russia's equivalent to Captain America named Red Guardian. He, uh, he comes from the comics, and he does... Uh, have lines that kind of seem to fly under the radar that also maybe indicates that there are some things going on in the years that we really haven't seen in between Captain America and when uh, the first Captain America movie and I guess ultimately Captain Marvel as that's the next stop on the timeline. Um, but he's pretty funny as this kind of overweight former hero that has been uh, basically tossed aside. And his scenes with Rachel Weisz uh, are great because she's kind of this cog in this Russian machinery that is both fascinated with what she's accomplished, but also kind of haunted by it. Uh, but she kind of slips back into her deep cover relationship with Harbor and the two widows. And it becomes kind of endearing and it creates this fun interaction of these four very different characters that still in its own way resembles a family. Now I will say that there are a couple of surprises that I didn't quite expect. I already mentioned how they brought up Hydra and winter soldier from that second captain America movie and how it kind of plays into the story of what the process is to create a widow. I didn't quite expect that. Um, it, it basically offers this very comic book concept into an otherwise, kind of different type of grounded story that uh that that like i said is kind of grounded in its structure um our primary villain is uh played by ray winstone who i'm always up for seeing ever since i saw him in sexy beast over 20 years ago uh he is very much playing kind of a james bond type of villain and his primary henchman uh the taskmaster has some kind of surprises in that whole element of the story too. Um, so there are some things I didn't quite expect to see in this movie. And when I say that Ray Winston kind of plays a James Bond type of villain, um, it's kind of interesting because once Natasha settles in, in, in Norway, she's watching Moonraker and she's, she's, uh, she's kind of reciting the lines along with the movie, which is fantastic because Moonraker is a movie that I stand up for in every instance that I possibly can, um, because I think that is a very underrated movie, partially because of the villain in that. And I think that that's something that while this movie may um, not be as bombastic as some of the later Marvel movies that we'll see this year uh, and going into next year. But I think it's something that in retrospect will grow that audience. Um, and I think Ray Winstone is going to be kind of looked at as this kind of character who is almost obsessed in a sort of way that, that Hugo Drax and Moonraker was. It's just that he's playing it a lot less low key that Michael Lonsdale did in Moonraker. Uh, but the, I, I see a lot of similarities there and I see it as also, you know, here's the spy who's gone into space, who has done space shit. Well, so has <laughs> Black Widow at this point. 
and I don't think she would be expected to be that type of, of spy or that type of espionage character. Um, so that that's kind of fun to kind of draw those connections as well. Um, now, this movie is directed by Kate Shortland, who hasn't seen hasn't made too many movies. And a lot of what she's done has been on the smaller scale. And I haven't seen any of them. Um, I, I suspect that maybe my uh, film seizure co-host uh, Jason Oliver would probably know some of her stuff, maybe a little bit more or may have heard of some of her stuff a little bit more than I have. But um, this is something that that's, um, you know, kind of to be expected these days as many directors who get hired for these major studio releases are early in their career or they are lesser known. And part of this is obviously to bring in someone that the studio can expect to follow whatever necessary edicts are handed down to them. But Shortland does seem to have a solid handle on those quieter moments in the movie in between the action scenes. And those are some of the better scenes in the film itself. Now, if I were to give uh, one nitpick about this movie that I totally admit is something that could be a product of something that I just personally don't like in action movies or the 3D in which I saw this movie or just the general style of how action is shot these days, um, I didn't like the hand-to-hand combat scenes, especially early on in the movie. Um, I have a real hard time with up-close fighting scenes. I can't tell really what's going on or who's getting punched or who's kicking whom. Um, it's something that takes me out of the tension of the scene because my brain kind of edit out edits out these types of up-close fighting shots. Uh, so it's like watching a movie that has a whole bunch of missing frames. Um, and that's something that um, really kind of is unfortunate with some of these movies. I think the first Spider-Man, I had a real problem with that in the climax because as he was fighting the main villain, it was nighttime. It was all up close. I couldn't really tell what was going on. I had to just kind of wait it out to find out, oh, okay, well, that guy is now in the ground and Spider-Man standing over him. Okay, I get it. Um, but overall, I, I really don't have much really huge to kind of um to to dock this movie for black widow is a really solid entry in the marvel canon um it's really not fair to compare this movie against one of the avengers movies or guardians of the galaxy it's not that type of movie it's one of the smaller scale more personal entries it's also far from one of the lower tier movies however like with the james bond series i'd be happy to watch one of my least favorite marvel or bond films over a lot of other things that are probably better anyway. Um, I like these movies and I appreciate that not every movie is a large scale, massive action flick that would get kind of boring over time. Um, that said, I do think this movie will get a little heat unfairly for being quote unquote too small or doesn't have the stakes that other Marvel movies have. And I think that's a really unfair thing that is often doled out to the Marvel movies that aren't the Avengers films. It doesn't help that this movie uh, is a year late to be released, which means extra attention and pressure is applied to the movie that it wouldn't normally have. So that might affect the box office, but it's a movie that should find its audience regardless, even if it has to take a little bit of time to get there, much like Moonraker. <laughs> um, anyway, it's just the uh, fun entertainment after a whole bunch of time of not having a whole lot of fun entertainment. Um, for those people who want this kind of action and excitement with the Marvel brand of lighthearted moments, this should satisfy. Overall, I had a lot of fun watching it, and uh, that's what I could expect from 
uh, any movie that has the Marvel branding on it. All right, so catch new episodes of Film Seizure uh, every Wednesday by going to www.filmseizure.com or by subscribing to the shows at, uh, to the show at places like uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Audible. You can also listen to us on YouTube as we upload there as well. Uh, each Monday, I do Monster Mondays where I feature a monster movie and I find three things that I like about it, even if it is <laughs> a really bad movie. So it's a positive fun experience, I, I suppose. I guess. I don't know. Uh, anyway, listen to that show in the exact same places that I just told you that you can find uh, Film Seizure. Finally, I have my website, bmovieenema.com, where you can find new text review articles each and every Friday morning. I also have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to for bmovieenema, where you can see clips uh, from movies that I've used in articles, as well as see my movie hosting show there. So uh, that should really do it for now. Again, I found Black Widow quite entertaining and satisfying. Um, it's a it's a solid entry in the Marvel franchise, and I suspect many others will too. Uh, but keep an eye out for more editions of Film Seizure at the Movies and Film Seizure Streams the Movies, as more will be coming out along this summer um, and uh, the rest of this year. But until then, don't forget to save me the aisle seat. We have to go back to where it all started. So they never do that to anyone again. We're a family. We fight with you. 